Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The internet right now is optimized for, like, bullshit content. Like, I mean, if I had a dog video doing some cute trick, I wouldn't care. This would be great. Anyone could share it. They could make a memes out of it, whatever. That's what, like, the internet is currently optimized for, and it's just like... This is so broken. <laughs> hey, and welcome to Radio Motherboard. This is Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler. Today I'm talking to artist Ben Von Wong, who just turned 4,100 pounds of e-waste, the amount the average American uses in a lifetime, into some really cool cyberpunk photography. I thought our conversation was going to focus on our e-waste problem, but we quickly got into talking about how platforms like Facebook and YouTube have affected the process of making art. I'm here with Benjamin Von Wong, uh, an awesome photographer, artist. What, how do you describe yourself? That's uh, something I struggle with every day. I think the closest I've come to is I create campaigns around things that matter. I mean, I create viral campaigns around boring topics is, I guess, how I like to describe it. Is e-waste a boring topic? I think electronic waste is a boring topic. I certainly doesn't come up very often in dinner conversations, so I think it qualifies as a boring topic for me. <laughs> Those, the life cycle of each product is getting shorter and shorter. I mean, people are upgrading their phones, I think, on average once every two years. And so if you think about the number of phones a single human will have over the course of, of their lifetime... Um, it makes no sense for, for us to just be throwing those away. And, uh, and I'm not sure what the exact statistic is. It, it, it seems to vary. In my video, we said 15% of electronic waste is recycled every single year. I just got a report uh, from another source that said 20% is recycled every single year. Point being, uh, very little electronic waste is properly recycled and accounted for. The rest of it is just disappearing into landfills. So we spend all this time, energy, resources to extract um, minerals out of the ground, which is an extremely inefficient process, and then we're just throwing it out um, in, in, into landfills for no reason. It makes no sense. So from what I understand, you were given 4,100 pounds of e-waste uh, by Dell. Uh, what, what did you do with it? Yeah, so we converted this 4,100 pounds of electronic waste into these three uh, really elaborate sculptures. Um, the idea behind them was to represent the past powering the future. And so we, uh, we found different things. So we created a portal entirely out of circuit boards. We created uh, um, something that looks like a particle 
accelerator out of keyboards and we created a, um, a solar farm out of laptops. And so this idea that you could harness the energy of the past to develop new and exciting things was sort of the message that we tried to convey. It looks so cyberpunk. It looks so futuristic. Uh, the image of you, even some of the behind the scenes images where there's like one of you laying on a bunch of keyboards or a bunch of like uh, old computer monitors. I'm wondering, like, what did it feel like to be around all this old stuff? You know, it's it's really overwhelming to 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 just be in the middle of all of this stuff and to realize that you know what we are seeing, what we are encountering, is such a small fraction of what the world produces. I mean. I was reading up a, a statistic. It's like 142,000 computers are thrown away every single day in the United States alone, and that was in 2010. And it's just like, I mean, we used like 330 laptops. <laughs> it's like nothing, right? And so, you know, we use such a small quantity, which looks like a huge quantity in photograph, but uh, it's really just to represent an even larger problem. Yeah, I went to an electronics recycling facility uh, outside of Dallas uh, two years ago for a story, and I had never been anywhere like anywhere like this at all. And it was one of the most striking places I've ever been because you just walk by these gigantic bins, and in the bins are just like thousands and thousands of like fitness trackers and then you go to the next bin and it's thousands and thousands of another brand of fitness tracker and then there's like 10,000 flip phones and and all these old macbooks and then you you look somewhere else and you see like two-year-old macbook pros like things that i would happily take and would love to reuse um you know as you were doing this project did you think at all about sort of like the lifespans of these, of the, of this hardware? Because when I was in this recycling facility, I was like, wow, people actually use these products or most of them you'd, you'd assume, um, you know, for their lives. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm like super guilty of buying new technology. I, I love technology. I love new toys. I love new gadgets, you know, and and I can like I'm definitely above average in my computer usage. I justify it because I use it for work. But the number of monitors I've already gone through in my lifetime is probably close to ten. <laughs> um, the number of laptops I've bought, I mean, I've only I've bought probably like eight. But you know, I have Apple Care, and when when something breaks, they replace it. And so if you include those, I don't know how many more computers I've had. It's just like. Um, it's just crazy. Like you, you think of the number of stuff that you you go through is just absolutely insane. Like I'm looking, I'm staring right now at um, at my shelves, and I've got like I'm staring at like 16 hard drives. <laughs> it's all the data of stuff I've stored, and and yeah, it's um, I, I I definitely think I I've never thought about the end of life of 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 these products before. I I'm not the type of person that throws them away, so. I'm a little bit of a hoarder, so I just have tons of stuff that doesn't work. I have all my old computers. I still I've kept them, um, and I and while I, <laughs> yeah, but like at least now I know how to get rid of them, right? Um, right, right, right. How um you know this came out earlier this week. Um, how has the response been so far? Well, we're at two point five million views. It's been about three and a half days since we launched. Um, 
in light of how hard it is to make things spread on Facebook, I think this is a pretty good number. Um, it feels like it isn't enough. I, I certainly feel um, like mainstream media hasn't picked it up yet. Like there's not a single like Huffington Post, Daily Mail, like New York Times, like no one from mainstream media has picked it up. Um, so I'm still hoping that that catches on at some point. Um, but the response has been overwhelmingly positive, which is really, really cool. Um, people are really excited about the, um, the project. I think the biggest question people keep asking, which I addressed in the video, is what happened to all the e-waste once we were done with it? Um, and those are the people who <laughs> didn't pay attention to the fact that we were actually in any waste facility, so we just gave it all back. Um, and I think the other subset are just really excited about the idea that, oh, you can recycle your electronic waste. There's a proper way to do it. There are services that exist for it, um, and it's free. Is something that I think people were pretty excited about. Like you said, e-waste is a boring topic, and I totally agree. But then you see something like this, but and it really makes me sort of be like, no, this is actually like really crazy. It's a crazy thing that we're we make so much of this stuff, and that it all ends up in the trash. Yeah, I think so. To justify the boring thing i um i think it's it's that the photos of reality the dumps the poor starving children like the environmental disaster that results is just so depressing and it's really hard to share like you don't you might share it once but you don't want to spam your friends and family and talk about how shitty the world is and they don't want to watch that because they just came off a long day of work um, and so the idea is just like, gosh, these are just like really heavy topics and they're really hard to talk about on a regular basis. And so with the work that I do, you know, I really hope to just trick people into paying attention to it. It's, it's not preaching to the choir. It's showing someone something beautiful that they can easily share with the rest of the world. And then along the way, you know, you can learn like a little tidbit, you know, you can start pushing people in the right direction to learn more. And so that's kind of the role that I see um, with the work that I do. It isn't that the topic in and of its own it isn't interesting, just like, say, we take wildlife conservation. It's not that the Nat Geo photos aren't great. Um, they're beautiful, but but there's only so much of it you can consume. And sometimes you just need something new, something refreshing something really radical. And I think that's where I come in. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I think it kind of like snaps you out of it a bit. Um, we've seen like the same thing with climate change coverage and stuff. It's just like, we're fucked like over and over and over again. And then someone will do something really cool. And it's like, oh yeah, that's, this is awesome. I'm going to share it. And oh, by the way, like we're doing this to the planet. My biggest frustration with with this project has been trying to get it in front of many people. So 
you know, I, I do all the A-B testing and I see that it's got a 30 second retention rate, which is really high on Facebook. And um, it's got like a one-to-one -one like to share ratio. It's actually like more people share it than like it, which is really, really great. Um, and then I reach out to all these different partners to, to share the piece on Facebook and get it out there. Um, and this is all like mechanical work, like reaching out one by one to different pages that are large enough to share it. And then by and large, I just encounter like, so all the, all the big pages like now this or Unilad or the others, they just want to cut their own thing. Uh, all the news sites want to cut their own thing if they even want to run it. Um, nobody wants to share it or people just straight out want to add their logo on the end of it um, and upload their own version. And it's like, you can create something that is so ideally perfectly optimized. I mean, I have like, we went through 25 iterations to create a piece um, that, that, that ideally would resonate the strongest. <laughs> and, and you're just trying to get it in front of people and you can't, like there are no built-in distribution. Um, anything that's like a distributor, distribution network, like let's say Playground, um, they want you to sign off any rights to so, so that they can push it out to different people and they can use it to do anything they want. They could tell a story on how great technology is and completely warp the message. You have zero control over it. You have zero rights, zero ownership. Um, I know that's something that, that's been extremely frustrating to, to be like, well, I created this piece. I know it's a good piece because it's performing well. Um, I followed all the rules to, to fit the platforms that they're on and yet it can't spread like the 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 ways to spread it aren't there um because it right. the internet right now is optimized for like bullshit content like i mean if i had a dog video doing some cute trick i wouldn't care this would be great anyone could share it they could make a memes out of it whatever that's what like the internet is currently optimized for and it's just like this is so broken yeah i mean it's interesting it sounds like you kind of got screwed in some ways by like facebook's new algorithm where it's like it's really hard to get anything to go viral these days uh we've found and i think like the fact you were able to get you know a couple million views in a couple days is great but i totally understand where you're coming from like it's it's hard to get people to share your stuff do you like approach your art from a like possible virality standpoint yes so every time i create something I always think about how can people talk about this? How can people share it? Um, and this boils down even to the creation process. So like, okay, sure, we can, um, like the camera that I use, for example, like I have access to any camera. I could use a $50,000 medium format camera, but that's not relatable. What's relatable is just a small mirrorless camera. So that's what I use. Um, for our lighting, like you can come up with some really fancy, you know, um, cinema lights, but we just opted for using a, we flew a, a, a little speed light on a drone, um, partially because it was the best solution for the job, but also because it's just really funny to watch. Um, we use a leaf blower for the hair, just to, so we, we have like people hiding <laughs> behind the model with a leaf blower, trying to be as small as possible so that they wouldn't show up in the photo. Like all these are like the small things that make for like a really interesting caption or a really interesting story, um, you know. And, and those are those are things that I think about you know, during the creation process, um, um, how can I make it easier for this project, for people to talk about this project? And yeah, and, and then the whole storytelling. So like, how, what's your opening frame? What's your caption? Do you, do you think that the viewers think about this at all? Or is it more of like a subconscious type of thing? I don't think viewers, 
I think I think viewers hop to a judgment within two or three seconds to decide whether or not this is worth their time. I think that you can see through the comments what people find particularly funny or exciting or interesting. Um, I certainly think that I spend a ton of time on things no one pays attention to, but the hope is cumulatively the experience is improved as people delve deeper into the storyline. Um, and so you'll, you'll be like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, wait, they also use volunteers. Oh, this is actually a big problem. Oh, wait, is he using chalk to draw circles on the ground to create this pattern? Like, is that how simple it was? Like, and so it's just, it's kind of a layer effect, right? Right. Like you try, I think, or anyways, I try to just get people to fall in love with the process even more than the, than the original appreciation in hopes that when you reach a point where you're hoping to get them to to do something, which in my case is recycle your e-waste or share this piece or spread the word, that people will be even more compelled to do so because you've brought them on this emotional af- affirmation journey. Like this was a lot of effort. These are people that are just like me. These are this is someone I want to support. Yeah, I mean, you can also think of it like, you know, someone might share this on Facebook or they might say at the bar like, hey, did you see this photo? And they'll talk about e-waste for, you know, a minute or two. And then they'll be like, oh, and they lit, they lit it with a drone and they had, you know, a leaf blower in the background or they used a leaf blower in the process. And, oh, my friend was like a volunteer in that project or something. Like, I feel like a lot of that stuff is actually more relatable than the end result itself maybe yeah absolutely like the the photo itself is super unrelatable because no one's gonna go do that this weekend right <laughs> i mean i can yeah. tell you every step of the way and you're still not gonna do it um what what you might find is that you could imagine yourself p- possibly doing this because it was just a bunch of people getting together you know and it's it's cool it's something you can applaud and something you can kind of relate to yeah i mean i find this like a super interesting and b super laudable and it's just like, why make art that no one is going to look at? Not, not saying that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are just like taking pictures, putting them on Instagram, who consider themselves serious artists. That's great. Um, but do you think that, do you think of this process as a part of the art? And I guess B, if you are engineering art for virality, have you gotten any shit from people who are like, oh, this is an organic or something? Or like, oh, this guy like only cares about views or... I mean, within my photography community, I definitely have my share of haters who think that I always go over the top and um, that the actual photography itself isn't that good. It's, it's, it is a thing. Um, and, and I'm fine with that because my end goal isn't... So, so like, the photographs are um, what I like to call, like, the... Um, they're just like the big flashy sign that says, hey, look over here, there's something really cool. Um, and then I just want people to fall in love with the story, the process. Like it isn't just about the end result. Like it's about the journey, not the destination. And so so with my photographs, I really try to create that as like an entrance, an, 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 easy, an easy in for you to learn more. And, uh, and it, it, it is kind of funny because ultimately my... Photography is why people follow me. It's what they consider me. They consider me a photographer, but it is very much the process. I feel that is the most interesting thing about my work. I don't actually feel that my photography is that unique. Um, 
in that there are a lot of really great photographers out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I find this really interesting because it's something we think about every single day. Um, you know, we don't write stories that we don't think are important, but we always have to think about how to package them so that people will read them. Um, you know, so it's, it's finding a good image. It's finding a good headline. It's finding a headline that, you know, people are going to click on, but then they, when they click on it and read the story, they don't feel like they were sold something that's not true. Like, you know, basically I hate this word, but not creating clickbait, create like being true to the story, but also being exciting and, and packaging in an interesting way. And in order to do that, we have to pay a lot of attention to like algorithm changes. We have to pay a lot of attention to like search engine optimization and how people share things. And is this getting shared? We do like AB testing, things like that. And it's, uh, it's like a whole other facet of the job beyond just journalism. Um, and it sounds like you basically have a whole other facet of this job beyond just creating the art. I think my greatest fear is as the internet gets more noisy and as the barrier to entry for good content creation goes down. Um, at what point does what I do become unsustainable? Um, and so there seems to be a very clear downtrend in quality over quantity. Um, and you see that all, across all platforms um, and, and, and how successful people who are consistent at creating a similar thing every single day, which i.e. points to a lower quality um, because the, the bigger teams just can't sustain themselves because revenues have gone down. And it's just like, what does the internet look like in three years or four years or five years? Like it just, I, I see a, a little bit of a worrying trend. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a question, it's a question that like publishers and media sites are asking themselves like very seriously as, you know, Facebook tweaks the algorithm as, you know, old content strategies don't work as well as new ones like arise. And it, I had no idea, I guess, you know, because I'm not in that world that artists are sort of experiencing the same thing. Look at the top Instagrammers. They're all doing the same thing and they all do the same thing every single day because that's what works. And it, it's just because like for me to tell a story like this is like a year of work. So you know, I'll have a new project every three months, but that doesn't work on any platform. You know, people want to see things every day. Um, they want their constant Instagram stories, you know. So it just benefits a very small subset, sub, sub-segment of people. And I feel like there's nothing that's designed for these kind of higher quality thought pieces. And the journalists have the same problem. I mean, long form journalism is all but dead. There's like, they have subscription models and stuff, but it's not reaching the, the volume that it, that, that it deserves yeah i mean i would say that there's a there's a lot of long form out there but you know e whether e any individual piece is going to have an impact is sort of like you know flipping a coin and um you can spend months and months doing something and then get no, like have no impact and that doesn't always speak to whether the piece was important or good or well packaged even it might just speak to the fact that the algorithm didn't like you that day or there was other news that day and I'm curious, like, how do you, um, you know, someone who is doing these bigger projects, the, I guess, long form, the long form equivalent of photography and, and these st sort of stunty uh, projects, how do you um, make it seem like you're more active than you are? Like, how do you make sure that this 
isn't a one day thing. It's like a couple week long or month long conversation about. I have a little bit of an alternate strategy. So leading up to this piece, I had three teaser videos that were launched and seeded over the course of a a week. Um, And the reason it was a week is because our launch deadline was a little closer than we anticipated. But um, that could have easily easily been spread over a month. I teased a lot of Instagram stories about the editing process, um, just teaser photos behind the scenes. And so I basically hardcore Instagram storied for about three weeks just to drive email subscriptions towards a launch um, and to kind of um, deck, uh, set the... Wait, how do I phrase this? Uh, set the deck in my favor. Um, I basically gathered almost a thousand people uh, on an email newsletter who said, you know, within the first 24 hours of launch, I will, I promise to go to your video, like, comment, and share it um, in order to fuck with Facebook's algorithm. I mean, literally manufacturing popularity in a content by making sure that these people would see the content within the first certain amount of time that it launches to artificially make it more popular. But, you know, these are all like launch strategies. They're not, um, they don't help propagate the content over time. And that's one that I haven't quite figured out yet. Like, how do you keep, how do you make sure this is something that sustains beyond just two or three days, you know? Um, Because that's that's the whole thing about virality. It's like, oh, super cool, and it's gone. <laughs> you know, something yeah. else, something shinier happens, you know, and, and that's that's it. It's, there's always something shinier happening. Like, social networks have swallowed the internet um, in many ways, and I think that, I don't know, we think a lot about Facebook's role and Twitter's role and Google's role and sort of what people see every day, and I'm wondering, like, have you thought seriously about sort of the responsibility of these platforms to not just always cater the lowest common denominator because I, like on, on one hand it is you know up to it's like if people like trash and if they want to share trash and like trash and watch trash like there's not much fixing that but we have seen at least us we've seen that people seem to like the stuff that we put a lot of effort into a lot of um you know a scoop that no one else has or a long form piece or something like that they seem to like it uh, but the the deck is stacked against us in many ways because the algorithms are black boxes that you can sort of reverse engineer, but you can't totally reverse engineer. So I'm wondering, have you like thought about the responsibility of these platforms to not always cater to the lowest common denominator? I mean, sooner or later, things are going to change. Uh, and as, as a content creator, it's just like, well, how do I make sure I'm well positioned to, to be in a place to adapt to that change as it happens? And you know, similar to all publishers, um, it, it's just like, how do I make sure that all my eggs aren't in one basket, you know? Right now, right. Facebook video is, you know, it's still the best place to get a video scene because uh, because it's so good at targeting audiences that enjoy that type of content. So ultimately, I mean, this this video has 2 million views on Facebook. It's got, it's got under 10,000 views on YouTube. And yet that's that's with all the publications, like every single publication has embedded videos, the YouTube version, including you, including my modern Met, including all these other big pages. But no one's watching YouTube anymore, right? Not not except for like the big YouTubers. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're creating daily content. So (laughs) it's the same problem. And uh, 
Uh, and so no one's really watching YouTube. YouTube's really there for SEO purposes, which my work isn't. Like, no one types, how do you make a solar farm out of laptops? Like, no one types it. <laughs> so it's got no discoverability into it. Um, and so for me, Facebook and Instagram are the best. But what What is the best way to consume your content? Like, is a, is a YouTube watch better than a Facebook watch? Or is, it, is a share better than a like? Is it just do all of the above if you like it or what? Yeah, honestly, if, if, if people are just going and sharing it, um, spreading the word, I think that's what's the most important. Uh, right now, we're trying to build most of our metrics and momentum up on Facebook. So facebook.com slash the Von Wong. Um, and, uh, you know, if they want to spread the word, uh, share the project, they can go to rethinkrecyclerevive.com. And that's our show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler, and we'll be back with a new episode really soon.